read this morning is taken from James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without the giving them without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is you, is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. As for the body apart from the spirit is dead, also, so also faith apart from works is dead. You may be seated. Good morning. You know, Michael, I really wasn't going to bring up the Tennessee game, but since you mentioned it, let me, well, no, no, that's not what we're here for, is it? Uh, appreciate everybody being here this morning. It's been good to be able to spend time in worship. If you have your Bibles, let's go to James chapter 2. James chapter 2, if you're not already there from our scripture reading, we're going to be looking at verses 14 through 26. If you'll join me there, James chapter 2. Verses 14 through 26. In the 13th century, there was a Catholic monk, a Catholic theologian named St. Francis of Assisi. One day, he was in the monastery with all of the different students, pupils, disciples, apprentices that he had. And he told one of his apprentices, hey, I, I want you to go with me. We're going to go to a nearby village. We're going to preach the gospel. We're going to preach the good news to these people. Of course, the apprentice jumped on that opportunity. He had heard his teacher preach and teach a number of different times, but never had the opportunity to preach alongside of him. So he went and he grabbed his Bible. He grabbed his sermon notes, and they went on their way. Whenever they got into the village, St. Francis began to visit a number of different individuals. He started by visiting the carpenter. Then he went to visit the butcher. Then he went to visit the home of a recent widow, a, a woman whose husband had recently passed away. Then he went into the schoolhouse and he spent some time with the teacher. He did that for several hours. He did that all day. Eventually, the time came when he turned to his apprentice and said, it's time for us to go back. It's time for us to go back to the monastery. It's time for us to go back home. And the apprentice was a little bit confused. What do you mean it's time for us to go back? I thought that you said we were here to preach to the people. All that we've done is visit the people. Aren't we going to preach before we leave? 
St. Francis looked at his pupil and he told him, do you not realize that we've been preaching all day? He said, preaching a sermon is not just about what you say, it's about what you do. As we continue this sermon series about passion, do we realize that having a passion for God is much the same? Having a passion for the Father? Being excited about spiritual things? Being on fire for Jesus like we just sang about a few moments ago? It's not just about what we say. It's about what we do. As Christians, we have to do more than just claim to be passionate about God. We have to do more than just claim to be excited about spiritual things because anybody can claim anything about any subject. As followers of Jesus, we have to actually back up our claims with our actions. We have to back up the things that we say with what we do, the decisions that we make on a daily basis. Having a passion for God is not just about what we say. It's not just about the claims that we make, but it's about what we do. It's about what we choose to say. It's about how we choose to act. It's about how we choose to interact with other people. It's about the priorities that drive our lives on a daily basis. Just like we had a main idea as we studied together last week, I want us to have a main idea as we study together this week. It's what you see up on the screen. That our passion for God must be. Like we said last week, this is not an option. This is not a choice that we get to make. This is not an either-or situation. Our passion for God must be seen in our actions. If it's not, if our passion for God, if our excitement about Jesus, if our enthusiasm for spiritual things can't be seen in our actions, if it can't be seen in our daily lives, then it's just emotion. It's not going to get us anywhere spiritually. It's not going to benefit us. It's not going to benefit other people. It's not going to benefit the congregation that we're a part of. It's not going to benefit God, who is not only our Creator, but also our Savior, our passion for God. If, if you don't get anything else this morning, if you don't walk away with anything else from what we talk about in James chapter 2, other than this, that's a good thing. Our passion for God must be seen in our actions. That's what I want us to grasp as we study together this morning. And I think it's the idea that James wants us to get. As we look at James chapter 2, verses 14-26, through 26, James wants us to understand that having a passion for God is more than just words. Having a passion for God is about actions. It's about how we choose to live on a daily basis. According to James chapter 2, passion without action is useless. In verses 14 through 17, and also verse number 26. As James begins writing in this section of Scripture, in verse 14, he asks two very powerful and relevant questions. The first one, what good is it? Other translations might say, what does it profit? What do we gain? What do we receive if we claim to have faith, but we don't have works? When James talks about faith in this section of Scripture, he's talking about how we feel on the inside. He's talking about this all-encompassing trust that we place in our Lord Jesus. When he talks about faith, he's really discussing what we've been discussing over the last several weeks. 
When James talks about faith, he's talking about being passionate for God. He's talking about being excited for spiritual things. He's talking about being absolutely on fire, absolutely consumed by Jesus. When he talks about works, he's not talking about us earning our salvation. He's not talking about us meriting our salvation. He's talking about what we do. The decisions that we make on a daily basis. The priorities that we live with. So here's the first question. What good is it? What does it profit? What do we gain? What do we receive if we claim to have faith, but we don't have works? What good is it, he asked, if we claim to be passionate for God, but that passion is not expressed through our actions? Question number two, can that faith save him? Is that faith going to have any kind of benefit? Is it going to be useful to us at all? Instead of answering that question outright, James gives an illustration. He says, let me illustrate to you what I'm talking about. Let me put some skin on this. Let me put some flesh on this. He says, let's say, just a hypothetical situation, let's say that there's a brother or sister out there who's in need. A brother who doesn't have adequate clothing. Or a sister who doesn't have enough food to last for just one day. He says, let's say that you see that need. You know that that brother needs clothing. You know that that sister needs food. And you feel bad for him. You look at him and say, go in peace, be warmed and filled. We might say it today, goodbye and good luck. Oh, I feel so bad for you. I feel so sorry for you. I hope you get that clothing somewhere. I hope somewhere you're able to find food to eat today. You feel bad for him. You say things to him. You have feelings. You have emotions. You have words. But then you don't meet their need. You don't actually give to them the things needed for the body. Here's James' question. What good is that? How useful is that? What do we gain? What do we receive? What do we profit from that? You felt bad for him. You wished him well. The problem is, we didn't act. We didn't actually give them the things that they needed. Words and feelings without action is nothing. Words and feelings without action is useless. Even though you feel bad for him, that person's still going to be cold tonight because they don't have enough clothes. Even though you wished them well, goodbye, and good luck, I feel sorry for you. That person's still going to be hungry. Your feelings and words aren't going to put clothing on their backs or food in their stomachs. So he sets up this idea. He says, what good is it if we have faith but we don't have works? Well, think about it like this. Words and feelings without action is nothing. Words and feeling without action is useless. So what's the point that he's making? Well, it's the same way with faith and works. It's the same way with passion and action. If we claim to have faith, but we don't have works, if we claim to be passionate about God, but we don't express that through our actions, it's nothing. It's just emotion. It's useless. It's not going to get us anywhere. It's not going to benefit us. And it's certainly not going to benefit people who are in need. Here's how James puts it. Faith without works is what? It's dead. Verse 26, what does it take to be dead physically? Whenever you're dead physically, that means that your eternal spirit has been separated from your physical body. What does it take to be dead spiritually? To be dead spiritually, according to James 2, is to separate faith 
from works. To separate passion from action. Number one, passion without action, James tells us, is useless. It's kind of like this. You have a man who's really sick. He's so sick that he decides to go to the doctor. For some men, you have to be pretty sick to go to the doctor, right? Well, he's so sick that he ends up going to the doctor, and as he's sitting across from the doctor and having a conversation with the doctor, the doctor knows exactly what's wrong with him. He says, I I can prescribe you this medicine. If you go to the pharmacy and you fill this prescription, then you'll be better within just a few days. You'll be better almost immediately. The man trusts his doctor. The man trusts the medicine that the doctor is giving to him, but what if he never goes to the pharmacy? What if he never goes to fill the prescription? He can trust his doctor all day long. He can have good feelings about the prescription, about the medication all day long. But if he never actually goes to get it, if he, ever, if he never actually goes to the pharmacy, the question that James asks is, what good is it? What kind of profit is he going to gain from that? If the medicine stays at the pharmacy, it's not going to do him any good. He's going to continue to get sick and potentially get even more sick than what he is in the present. It's the same way with our relationships with God. Just like medicine that's left at the pharmacy is useless, faith without works is useless. Passion without action is nothing. It's just emotion. It's not going to get us anywhere spiritually. It's not going to benefit me and it's not going to benefit you. It's not going to benefit the congregation that we're a part of. It's not going to benefit people who are in need. People who are struggling in life. Because if we claim to have faith, but we don't have works, it's dead. It's useless. Number two, faith without works, or what we're saying Passion without action, according to verse 18, is incomplete. If you look at James chapter 2 and verse 18, James talks about what some people are going to try to do. And I think it's what some people have done. He says some people are going to try to separate these two things. Some people are going to try to divide them up. You have faith, I'll have works. You be passionate about God, you have excitement for Him, you be zealous for Jesus, and, and I'll do all the work. I'll, I'll have action. Well, to a person that wants to divide these two concepts, James gives a challenge. He says in verse 18, show me your faith without your works. If you really want to separate the two, if you really want to divide the two, he says, here's what I want you to do. Show me how much you trust in God. Show me how passionate you are about God. Show me how on fire you are for Jesus without doing anything about it. Is that possible? It's not possible, is it? You can't show how you feel on the inside if you don't express it on the outside. You can't show how much you love God. You can't show your faith in God. You can't show how passionate or excited you are about Him if you're not expressing that on a daily basis. If you're not expressing that through the things that you say and the things that you do. Faith without works is incomplete. The opposite is also true. Works without faith is incomplete. If I just have one, but I don't have the other, if I'm trying to divide them, if I'm trying to separate them, then my relationship with God is not able to come full circle. Some people are going to try to divide the two, James says. 
So here's the challenge that James gives to him. Show me your faith without your works. And then he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show you my faith by my works. Now that's complete, isn't it? Faith expressed in works. Passion, excitement, zeal, trust expressed in action. That's whenever it's able to come full circle. Some are going to try to divide the two. James says that's impossible. You can't show your faith unless you have action. You can't show your passion unless it's expressed in works. He says what I'm going to do is I'm going to have a faith that's complete. I'm going to have a relationship with God that comes full circle. I'll show you my faith by the things that I do on a daily basis. Passion without action is incomplete. I have a proposal for you. Today for lunch, let's make some peanut butter jelly sandwiches. Anybody like peanut butter jelly sandwiches? Maybe a few. Yeah, maybe not for a Sunday lunch after worship, but a peanut butter jelly sandwich is pretty good. But here's how we're going to do it, though. I'm going to take the peanut butter home with me because I like peanut butter more than I like jelly. And you take the jelly home with you. And we're going to make some peanut butter jelly sandwiches. Do you see a problem with that? You might be content with what you walk away with. If you're like me, if you like peanut butter more than jelly, or if you're on the other side, if you like jelly more than peanut butter, you might be content with what you walk away with. But neither of us are going to be able to make peanut butter jelly sandwiches. Why? Because in order to make a peanut butter jelly sandwich, you have to have both peanut butter and jelly. Common sense tells us that. If you just have peanut butter, your peanut butter jelly sandwich is not going to be complete. If you just have jelly, your peanut butter jelly sandwich is not going to be complete. Whenever you have both of them, though, it's able to come full circle. Whenever you have both of them, your peanut butter jelly sandwich is complete. And it's the same. The same is true in our relationships with Christ. If I just have faith, but I don't have works, if I just have passion, but I don't have action, it's incomplete. If I just have action... If I just have works and I don't have faith or passion or excitement, it's incomplete. Either way is not what God wants us to be. Either way is not the kind of lives that God wants us to live. But whenever we're like James, instead of separating the two and trying to do something that's impossible, when we're like James, showing our faith by our works, wow, that's when it comes full circle. That's when we get 360 degrees. That's when a relationship with God is complete. When passion is expressed in action. When I'm showing you how excited I am about Jesus by what I do on a daily basis. Number three, James says that passion without action is demonic. Well, that almost takes it a step up, doesn't it? I think James wants us to understand how serious this conversation actually is. If you go to Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, it's oftentimes called the Shema. It's one of the most powerful and insightful views into God's nature that we have in the Old Testament. In Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4, Moses tells the children of Israel, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Do you believe that? Do you believe what Moses says in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4? Do you believe that God is one? I hope that you do. If you do, according to James 2 and verse 19, that's a good thing. 
He looks at his audience and he says, you believe that God is one. You believe one of the most powerful descriptions of God's nature in the Old Testament. And that's a good thing. He says, you do well. But just like we've been saying the entire time we've been studying together, James is not just concerned with what we feel or what we believe on the inside. He's concerned with what we do, how we live on the outside. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe. Satan's horde of demons, they believe that God is one. They have a knowledge of God. They have a knowledge of who God is. They believe what we believe, what Moses says about God. In Deuteronomy 6 and verse 4, notice that the demons' belief actually motivates them to do something. He says the demons even believe that God is one. And what do they do? They tremble. They shudder violently and uncontrollably at just the thought of God. Are the demons going to be saved? Well, no, they're not going to be saved. They're going to continue to remain condemned. Why is that? They have faith. They believe in who God is. They have a knowledge of who God is. We might even say they have a passion as they tremble at just the thought of God. But their passion, their faith, their belief, their knowledge doesn't bring them to obedience. It doesn't bring them to complete and an entire submission to God. Submission to God's will. And so they remain condemned. What's the point that James is making in our lives? If we have a faith, number one, that's useless, that's incomplete, as he's described it so far, if we have a relationship with God that's all about what's on the inside, but it's not expressed on the outside, if we have a relationship with God that's defined by faith and trust and passion, but yet we don't do anything about it, James says we have a faith that's equivalent to that of a demon. Passion without action doesn't produce a godly faith. James says it produces a demonic faith. Passion without action is demonic. If you remember what we studied last week, we talked about from Romans 10 and Acts chapter 18 how our passion for God needs to be based on knowledge. How our passion for God must be based on a knowledge of God and His Word. That's certainly the case. We need to build our passion, our excitement for God on the foundation of what He's revealed to us throughout the pages of this book. But when we look in Scriptures like James chapter 2 and verse 19, we find that what we talked about last week is not enough. The demons have a knowledge of God. The demons have a knowledge of who God is. They have a knowledge of what Scripture teaches in verses like Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, but yet they're not going to be saved because their passion, their faith, their belief, their knowledge doesn't bring them to surrender themselves completely to God. Certainly, our passion needs to be based on knowledge. Our passion needs to be based on what we find throughout the pages of this book, but that's not enough. It has to be accompanied by what we're talking about this morning. A passion for God that is expressed and seen in our actions. An excitement, a fire for Jesus that is seen in our daily lives. How we choose to live on a daily basis. Even if my passion is built on knowledge, it's not enough. It has to be seen 
and how I choose to live and how you choose to live on a day-to-day basis. Number three, passion without action is demonic. And then I think the last idea that James presents to us is that passion without action is unbiblical. James asks another powerful question in verse 20. He says, Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith without works is useless? He says, you want me to provide you some proof? I've been making these claims, and I've been saying all these different things, but you want me to provide some actual evidence for the fact passion without action is useless, incomplete, demonic. Okay, you want some proof? Let's go back to the Old Testament. Let's look at some characters from the Old Testament, and let's think about what we can learn from their lives. He starts with Abraham. Who was Abraham? Abraham was a very powerful, moral male. He was a very significant member in his society, very rich. He was also the father of the Israelite nation. What do we see when we look at Abraham's life? Well, verse number 21, we find that Abraham our father was justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar. If you go back to Genesis 22, you see that Abraham, it's not just about faith. It's not just about passion. It's not just about raw excitement. But it's about a passion that's expressed through action. He was justified by works when he was willing to lay his son Isaac on the altar. In Abraham's life, we see in verse 22 that his faith was active along with his works. They were running alongside of one another. It's not that his faith ran off and left his works, or his works ran off and left his faith. Neither of those two ideas fell behind. They were active along with one another. We see that his faith was completed by his works. Like we saw a few minutes ago in verse 18, Abraham's faith was brought full circle by his works, his actions. We see in verse 23, Scripture was fulfilled in his life. Abraham believed in God and it was accounted or accredited to him for righteousness. We see why Abraham was able to be called a friend of God. Why he was given that privilege. Verse 24, Abraham is a living example of the fact that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. When we look at Abraham's life, one of the ideas that we should walk away with is it's not just about trust that's on the inside. It's not just about the passion I feel in my heart, but it's about what I choose to do and how I choose to live on a daily basis justified by works and not by faith alone. By the way, that's the only verse where you find the phrase faith alone in the entire New Testament. And it says we're not justified by faith alone. So we see it in Abraham's life. Passion must be seen in our actions. But then in verse 25, James gives another example. Rahab from Joshua chapter 2. In many ways, Rahab was opposite of Abraham. In many ways, Rahab stood on the opposite side of the spectrum from Abraham. While Abraham was a rich, moral male, she was a poor, immoral female. A prostitute in Joshua chapter 2. While Abraham was a significant member of his society, the father of the Israelite nation, Rahab, was a very insignificant member of her society, a member of the pagan Canaanite nation who lived in the city of Jericho. So in many ways, she stands in contradiction to Abraham. She stands on the opposite side of the spectrum from where Abraham stands, but yet what do we see in her life? 
Verse 25, in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way. So whether we're talking about Abraham on this side of the spectrum, or whether we're talking about Rahab on the other side of the spectrum, the teaching of Scripture is very clear. Passion for God must be seen in our actions. It must be seen in our daily lives. If it's not, it's unbiblical. It goes against what we see in the life of Abraham and the life of Rahab. It goes against what we see, I believe, from Genesis chapter 1 all the way to Revelation 22. Passion without action is unbiblical. It's kind of like the preacher who sat down with a lady after worship service one time. She said, I have a question for you. Did you know that the Bible teaches a man is supposed to make his wife coffee every single morning? Do you know the Bible teaches that? The preacher thought for just a second. And, well, no, I, as a matter of fact, didn't know that. Where do you read that in the Bible? Where did you find that in Scripture? She said, I found it in the book of Hebrews. Ronnie, I don't know if you've been teaching your class this. You've been studying Hebrews in the back on Sunday mornings. So, so some of you might be keyed into this already. The preacher again thought for just a second. He said, I've read the book of Hebrews a number of different times. I've even preached through the book of Hebrews, but I, I never found that idea. Where do you see that idea in the book of Hebrews? She said, well, it's right there in the title. He brews. He is supposed to brew the coffee. Now, I'm not so sure you find that in the book of Hebrews. I'm not so sure that you... It might be a good idea, guys. But you might, I don't think you find that idea anywhere in Scripture. You want to know something else that you don't find in Scripture? You want to know something else that's not found from Genesis 1 all the way to Revelation 22? Hey, just put your faith in God. Just trust in God. It doesn't really matter how you live. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what kind of decisions you make on a daily basis. Just be passionate about Him. And have feelings and have emotions. Be excited about Jesus. Be on fire for Jesus. But it doesn't really matter how you live. You're not going to find that idea anywhere in Scripture. Do you know why? Because it's completely unbiblical. It goes against what we see in Abraham's life, what we see in Rahab's life. It goes against what we see on every page of this book. What are we walking away with from James chapter 2? Our passion for God must be seen in our actions. Our excitement for Jesus, our enthusiasm for spiritual things must be seen in the way that we live on a daily basis. Because if it's not, James says it's useless. It's incomplete. It's demonic. It's unbiblical. So at this point, I have to think about me and you have to think about you. Do you want to have a passion for God that's useful? Do you want to have a passion for God that's going to be useful to you? Useful to others? Useful to the congregation that meets here at Seven Oaks? You want to have a passion that's complete? A passion that comes full circle? You want to have a passion that's godly instead of demonic? Do you want to have a passion that's in step with what God teaches us throughout the Old Testament? What God teaches us throughout the New Testament? If you do, passion for God must be seen in our actions. It must be expressed in how we choose to live on a daily basis.
So let's reflect for just a minute. Think about these questions with me as we get ready to close. Number one, are you passionate for God? Yes or no? Do you have a passion for God right now? Where you are right now? Are you excited about spiritual things? Are you on fire for Jesus? If you're not, then let's keep working together. Because over the next three weeks, starting next Sunday, we're going to look at passion killers. Things that kill our passion. And then the next three weeks, we're going to look at passion builders. How we can build a passion for God. So if you answer that question saying, no, I'm not really passionate about God right now, let's keep working on this together. If you answer that question saying, yes, I am passionate about God, then number two is your passion built on knowledge. It goes back to last week. Have you built your passion for God on the solid foundation of His Word? If you have, question number three from this morning, can your passion for God be seen in your actions? Is it a part of who you are? When someone looks at your life, do they walk away saying, wow, that's contagious? Do they walk away saying, wow, I can see how excited that person is. I can see the flame that's burning inside of them for their Lord. Do they walk away benefited by how passionate you are for God because it's something that you show in everything you do, everything you say, how you interact with them? If you're struggling with passion, if it's not built on knowledge, if it can't be seen in your actions, what are you going to do about that? Here's an opportunity to take one step closer to being the disciple that Jesus wants you to be. Would you take hold of it as we stand and as we sing?